Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we recognize you as creator of the ends of the earth. You are the creator of the great things, the Grand Canyon, Mount Everest, the oceans, Lord, are in the palm of your hand. You are great and magnificent, and you are good. So you create the small things, the smallest things in this world, declare your praise as well. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We do not concern ourselves with things that are greater than we. We come to you, God, and we lift our eyes to you. Like the eyes of a slave look to a master. Like the eyes of a child look to a father and mother. We look to you and we place our trust in you. And we ask today, God, that you would help us to be still before you and know that you are God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. All the time. time. What a great morning of worship. What a wonderful day. I love Mother's Day. This uh, particular day is... um, in my mind, one of the great days in our lives and a great day to worship God. So when I was titling the message, if you noticed it there, I wasn't thinking about comic strips at all. Hagar and Elroy is the name of uh, the sermon this morning. And, and I suppose it was only after the fact when I googled Hagar that I realized that some people would think about Hagar the horrible. Hagar the, the comic strip, if you remember him, I understand that there will come a day when we will have to explain what comic strips were and beyond that, what newspapers were, those bundles of paper that used to come to our door before we found all our information on the internet. But for today, we know what we're talking about. And I had forgotten about Elroy as well, who was uh, the Jetson's son, but that was not my purpose at all when I chose this title. I actually took it right from the text. And when I read this story about Hagar, I come back with you again to the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 16. We left him last week blessed by God, knowing that he was blessed by God, knowing that God had blessed him so that he could become a blessing. And there are many high points and great moments in the life of Abraham. The passage today is not one of them. In fact, when the scripture shows us the heroes of our faith, It shows us people with feet of clay, people who had challenges and struggles, who sometimes made good decisions, sometimes made bad decisions, and all the while the only constant is that God cares about them, that God is trustworthy even when they are not trustworthy. And when we read this story about Hagar, the slave girl, we discover just how big the love of our God really is. So would you open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 16. I'm going to read a few verses there and then a few verses over in chapter 21 which comprise the whole of the story of Hagar. You should know as you're turning to Genesis 16 verse 6 that... um, 
Abraham has had a magnificent moment with God where he believed God, Genesis 15, verse 6. God credited him with righteousness because of his faith, and God has promised him a son. But, but Abraham is honest enough in his dialogue with God to say, yeah, I don't see it. So far, you keep promising, and all I've got is Eliezer, who is my servant, He's my only heir, and God says, no, I'm going to make your children as many as the sand of the sea, as as many as the stars in the sky, and Abraham says, I don't see it, and God says, but I'm making this commitment to you, and they make a covenant together, and all is well with Abraham and God, but Abraham's wife, Sarai, is bearing the brunt of of wondering uh, every, every day, when will I have a child, and the biological clock is ticking. And she comes to a moment when she says, this isn't working. Why don't I give you Hagar, my slave girl? And she can bear a child that will be our family for the future. And, and Abraham goes along with this plan. Inexplicably, he goes along with this plan. And Hagar conceives. And she despises. Literally, she looks down on her mistress, Sarai. And we pick up the story in chapter 16, verse 6, which says, Your servant is in your hands. Abram said, Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, everyone's hand against him. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I've now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. And then in chapter 21, verse 17, as we read the story, Ishmael is now in his teens. And um, he has um, persecuted his little brother, Isaac. And this will not stand, that this will not be allowed And so this time, Sarai and Abraham send her away with the boy into the desert. And in verse 17, it says, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water so She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. And while he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. This magnificent um, story, we discover something about Abraham that the Bible is painfully honest, isn't it? It tells a story of a man 
who's battling within his home, dealing with struggles there, and, and somehow finds himself the father of a son named Ishmael. The story really is the story of two women within a household and the battle for power and the struggle in that household. Sarai, whose name means princess, and she was the princess of her family. I just took the time this week to discover that that this name is gaining popularity and favor among young families. Many are naming their daughters Sarai these days. Almost nobody is naming their daughter Hagar. You may know a Hagar, but it's not a popular name. It it means stranger or foreign or literally run for your life. And it's interesting that Hagar spends her two great moments, her 15 minutes of fame, literally running down a road into a desert. The first time by her own choice to get away from her mistress. The second time because her husband, Abram, sends her away with just some water and some food. And this story reminds us that, that moms um, have various struggles. There are those who are seeking to become mothers and like Sarai, wonder when their prayer will be answered. Like Hannah, they keep calling out to God. And there are those who are moms and who are struggling. There are moms today whose children are wild donkeys of people as they're described here. There are moms who have no power in their lives and moms who are misusing their power. There are all kinds of people. Most of us first learned to trust. The first people we learned to trust were our moms. We may not have even known what their name was at the time, but we learned to trust them and found them trustworthy. But in whom can a mother put her trust when all the world walks out? Then we find this amazing story. That God is our trust. In fact, what Hagar discovers is what we must discover. That we can hear the God who hears us. That God is the one who hears us. And this is the name he gives to the boy. And and it's really in that story as she's running down the road. It's interesting that Abraham doesn't go looking for her the first time, does he? He doesn't follow after her. Sarai certainly doesn't follow after Hagar. She wants her to be gone. Good riddance to her. Here is this young woman who is alone and isolated, who has nobody to stand with her. And in this darkness, she feels like she will be forever alone. And God comes to her with a promise. You will have many, many, many descendants. If your great fear is that you'll be alone, I want you to know, God says, that you'll not be alone because I'll give you a family. You'll have a son named Ishmael. But beyond that, even by his presence, what God is saying is, even when nobody else is here, I am here. I love the way that God pursues her. I love the way that while she's running down the road, she hears him call her name, and I remember Don Thomas leading us in worship here at the church and singing, He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. Do you hear the God who hears you? They have this dialogue and they talk together and In this moment in the darkness, it is God's voice that turns Hagar's life around and she goes back home. I read this week that Martin Luther King one night during the middle of uh, his ministry received a threatening phone call from an anonymous caller and he hung up the phone and he sat down at his kitchen table and he folded his hands in prayer 
And he sought the face of God and he said in those moments he heard God saying to him, I want you to fight on. And as he described it to his congregation, he said, and God said to me in the words of the hymn, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me. No, never alone. This is the promise that Hagar Hears. It's the promise that all of us must hear that when we find ourselves alone and frightened that God is still there. And what happens is that she not only hears God who hears her, but she talks back to God and begins to dialogue with Him. I know it's the angel of the Lord and that's mysterious to us. And I've read this week, maybe you've studied before, who is the angel of the Lord? Is it the Lord? It seems to be the Lord. Or is it one of His angels, an emissary sent from God? Some say it's the pre-incarnate Christ, that it's Jesus who's talking with her on the road. It doesn't really matter that we identify that closely just to know this, that God was there and God was speaking to her and making clear to her that he would be with her and she she prays by listening to the voice of God because prayer is not just talking it's sometimes sitting in the silence and listening and then as she hears God she begins to speak back to God and to talk to him and something happens when a mother begins to pray and to talk to God one of my favorite preachers is Evie Hill uh, who's gone to be with the Lord Evie who was raised not far from here out out near Luling, if you know where Sweet Home is, outside of Luling, on the way to San Antonio, you know where he grew up. And he was uh, one of a number of children. His mother had so many children, she knew she couldn't raise them all. So she sent him to the home of a friend. But this woman, whom he went to live with when he was four years old, became mama to him. And she raised him so that he graduated from high school. And then she prepared to send him off to college. She gave him $5 and put him on a bus. But before she put him on the bus, she said, Mama will be praying for you. And he said he remembered her saying that and thinking, I don't know much about prayer, but I know that Mama knows a lot about prayer. And so he sort of took her at her word and he goes, to Prairie View A&M and he shows up at the school. He's got $1.90 left. Apparently he had a really good lunch and he gets there with $1.90 and, and he sees the line and he says, what do I need? And they said, we well, need $80 to register for your classes. And he's thinking, I don't have $80. And he said he, he thought about just uh, trying to go back home with the money he had left. But he heard this voice in his ear saying, Mama will be praying for you. And so he got in line and, and he said about that time he heard the devil say to him, what in the world are you doing in this line? You don't have the money to pay to register. But he heard this voice saying, Mama will be praying for you. And he said the line kept getting shorter in front of him until there was just one person left in front of him. And he was wondering what he was going to do. And then just as she was picking up her stuff and it was his moment, he felt a hand on his shoulder and the, and the voice said, are you Ed Hill? And he said, I am Ed Hill. And he said, well, have you registered yet? Have you paid yet? He said, not 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 quite yet. And uh, the voice, uh, this man said to him, well, we've been waiting for you all day. We wanted to tell you you have a four-year scholarship that will pay for all your classes and all your books and we'll give you $30 a month to live on. He said, I remember a voice saying, mama, will be praying for you. And how many of us have been uplifted by the prayers of our moms through the years? How many of us have been sustained in the darkness by the truth that our moms are praying for us and and she hears the God who hears her, but it goes, it goes on to say she sees the God who sees her. And so she says, okay, if you're going to name my son Ishmael, God hears. If you're going to name my son, then I'm going to name you, God. She says, I'm going to name you, this is anticlimactic, Elroy. That's the Hebrew word. I'm not making this up. Elroy. She calls God Elroy, which means El, God, Roy, sees 
God sees. You're the God who sees me. And she says, I want you to know that I see you. It reminds me of a a, a country and western song that my father used to play when I was growing up. I was looking back to see if you were looking back to see if I was looking back to see if you were looking back at me. And it was clear to me that you were looking back to see if I was looking back to see if you were looking back at me. Well, she was looking and God was looking and she says, I see the one who sees me. And just this week in our, in our psalm readings, as we read one psalm a day, I came to Psalm 123 in the Psalm of the Ascents, and it says, as the eyes of a slave look to his master, as the eyes of a maid look to her mistress, so we lift our eyes to you. We saw earlier in the week We lift our eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And she realizes that this God who is up there somewhere, who is speaking to her, must have seen her. She must have felt invisible. You understand how powerless Hagar is. She really doesn't have a say in this story. She's a slave. When her master and her mistress say, you're going to bear us a child And that child's going to belong to us. She has no say in that. She couldn't have said no if she wanted to. She didn't have the power to. She was a foreigner. She was a slave. She was invisible. The only parallel I could think of in literature this week was was Hester Prynne in Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. You know that story. This woman who... um, who wears a scarlet letter A for adultery, and everybody knows her as a sinner. And in that ancient Puritan society, nobody will let her forget her sin. And here is this young woman, Hagar, who has no power in the world. She feels invisible. She's a foreigner. Her very name is stranger. Maybe that wasn't her name at all, but they just called her stranger. And here is Hagar. But when nobody else comes for her, when nobody else cares what happens to her, God cares. And she says, I see, God, that you see me. I noticed, God, that you noticed me and that you care about me. And it's one thing to realize God sees us, but it's another step of faith and trust to see the God who sees us. To look back at him. Some of my friends pastor in the southeast in Huntsville and Tuscaloosa over in Alabama. 260 tornadoes in one day swept across our country. And many of them were devastated. Many of their homes were devastated. One of my friends decided to have church last week. Their church had not been affected except for 600,000 people were without power. I tried to feel his pain. But we've been through that, haven't we? That being without power and And he said while he was preaching, the lights came on. That must have been a magnificent moment. And then as we were sharing this uh, email back and forth with a group of pastor friends, another friend told the story of Gardner Taylor, the great pastor who was preaching one day when the lights went out. What do you do when the lights go out and the air conditioner goes off? He started to fold up his Bible and, and end the service when somebody shouted from the darkness, Go ahead, preacher. We can still see Jesus in the darkness. Can you still see Jesus in the darkness? Just this week, my mother had surgery, and uh, it was supposed to be a minor surgery, but you know how that goes sometimes. It ended up not being so minor. And, and I was sitting Wednesday night. Some of you were sitting with me at the table. We were eating, and I reached down to pick up a text from one of my brothers who said, Mom, stop breathing. Her heart stopped beating. They found her in the room. They revived her. She's in intensive care. 
I made plans and headed up there as quickly as I could. And, and, uh, and they had put her in ICU, and then the next day they moved her out of ICU, and physically she was doing okay. But, but somehow the mixture of anesthetic and pain medicine, I don't know, but she, she really was not aware of reality. She would sort of step in and out of reality, and it was troubling because... She was seeing things that weren't there. She was talking to people who weren't there. And just the darkness of that. And it was just very difficult. You understand some of you have walked that road. And, and as I sat there with her, I thought, what will I do? How can I help her? And, and thankfully, I reached over into the drawer there beside her bed. And the Gideons are always there, aren't they? My Bible was down in the car. I could have gone and gotten it. But there was the Gideon Bible. And so I opened it up and I said, Mom, can I read the Bible to you? And She nodded her assent, and so I began to read just from the Psalms. What do you read to a person who is trying to find the light in the darkness? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I? I can hear Robin Ravy singing that in some cathedral in Europe. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? And then Psalm 42, pardon me, I memorized it in the, in the King James Version, which says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And then on to Psalm 46, The Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Be still and know that I am God. And then Psalm 91, O Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations and as I read she became more and more quiet the very words that she had read all of her life began to resonate within her soul even when her mind was trying to find reality her soul found strength in the Lord and as I looked up from my reading I noticed we had a crowd that had gathered there in the hallway all the nurses who had been trying to care for her and we spoke together and I said to them every time I came home as a teenager in the evening I found my mother with her Bible open sitting there reading the scriptures and I prayed with my mother and there was a quietness that came over yesterday my brother called me he had spent the night there last uh, night before last and there was a breakthrough where after a long rest she awakened and she came to herself and I come to you to say when it's dark we need to see the God who sees us who cares about us we hear the God who hears us we see the God who sees us we pursue the God who pursues us God follows her down that road and the next time she finds herself on a desert road this time this time because Abraham sent her and Abraham argues with God about it and says but this is my son and God says to him in Genesis 21 verse 12 you're not going to take care of him but I'm going to take care of this boy I'm going to take care of him. And, um, and this boy who was promised to be a wild donkey of a man grows up and, and marries a young woman from his mother's native Egypt and, and they become the parents of 12 sons. Do you know this story? It's in the Scriptures. Their names are listed there in the Scriptures. 12 sons. And she becomes the, the mother of all the Arabic people. So the Arabic people look back to Abraham as their father, just as the Jewish people do, even though God chose to bring salvation through the Jews. And we see this, uh, uh, this contrast in the book of Galatians between Hagar and Sarai. It's beautiful to me to see that God, it says in verse, do you see it there in verse 20? It says, God was with the boy. 
as he grew up. And I was reminded in this week when one of our foes has fallen, a wild donkey of a man in his own right. I suppose if you kill 3,000 people in one stroke and you choose to live by that sword, you may expect that someday you will probably die by that sword. And, and Osama bin Laden did. But as I watched this unfold this week, I spoke with a friend of mine who was a missionary to Arabic people for many years in Jordan. And we just thought together about how all of this unfolds and what it means to be, for instance, an Arabic person in the United States today, to be an Arabic person in our world, and to realize that, that God loves all people, that God so loved the world, that God so loved you and me, that God so loved Arabic people, that whoever believes in His Son will not perish but have everlasting life, that we serve the God who wants all people to know Him, you and me and everybody we know in a city that has many Arabic people, that God wants the Muslim people to come to know His Son, Jesus, not just as a prophet, but as the Savior of the world. And my friend said he used to tell missionaries who came to serve among the Arabic peoples, if you can't love the Arabic people, you cannot be a missionary. But I was reading this and remembering that God had a plan for Ishmael's life. His name means God hears. That God had a plan for him. And that the ultimate plan was to send Jesus for him. And, and here is this mother who cares even by finding a wife for her son. She watches over him. And she lives, she who was fertile lives in the barrenness of the desert. And there, and there this boy grows up without a father. And it's in that it's in that story of Nathaniel Hawthorne's that we hear Hester Prynne when they say, tell us the name of Pearl's father. She says, she will have to find a father in God because she will never know an earthly father. And for those who don't know an earthly father, there is a great grace in having a godly mother. A mother who prays and who hears God and sees God and pursues the God who pursues her. I, I heard it in the words of the young athlete um, um, who won the uh, NBA MVP this week, um, Derek Rose, who when he gave his acceptance speech said a few things about basketball and then said a lot of things about his mom. Brenda Rose, he started. You can Google it. Brenda Rose, he said, you are my heart. I would never have played this game were it not for your persistence in encouraging me. When you were getting up and going to work and feeding four sons by yourself, I read this week that the day will come when there are more single, single parent households in our country than there are two-parent households. I don't know when that day will come, but I know this. This story reminds us that God loves the single parent, that God has a heart for that parent who's doing that work alone. And to hear Derek Rose rise up and call his mother blessed, I know on Mother's Day it's easier to read something from Proverbs 31. But in our world, there is Hagar. In this room, there is Hagar. And Hagar, if you're here... I want you to hear that the God who hears you and sees you, this God does not have a horrible life planned for you, but a wonderful life for you and for your family. And God has plans for you. And those plans will be fulfilled. 
I saw it in the words of Eric Metaxas as he quoted that last poem that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote while he was in prison. Wer bin ich? Who am I? He asked. Who am I? They mock me, those lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, O God, thou knowest. I am thine. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice as it told thy love to me. And I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Pray with me. Draw us nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw us nearer, 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 blessed Lord to your precious, bleeding side. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.